Hi, I'm Mark Scott, Secretary of the New South Wales Department of Education, and welcome to Every Student, the podcast where I get to introduce you to some of our great leaders in education. Today I'm joined by Unity Taylor-Hill. Unity is the foundation principal at Anzac Park Public School in Camaray in Sydney, and it's one of our really innovative primary schools in New South Wales education. Unity started a teaching career at South Coogee Public School and within three years was recruited to a leaving assistant principal. She was a highly respected principal at Kalara Public School. She holds a Masters of Education specialising in curriculum and teaching. And in 2018, she was recognised with an ACEL Leadership Award. Welcome to the podcast, Unity. Thank you, Mark. Now, um, you're currently working in the department as a director of the Futures Learning Unit, and we'll come and talk about that in a minute. Sure. But I first got to know you, and I think lots of people have got to know you, by your leadership as the first foundation principal of Anzac Park Public School. Tell us a little bit about uh, Anzac Park. Where do we find it and what's it like? Yeah, so Anzac Park is a new build school that opened in Camaray in 2016. Um, I was appointed to principal there uh, in term four of 2015, and at that time we were working on a temporary site at Crow's Nest TAFE, and we were welcoming 76 kindergarten students across four classes. Um, Moved into the school in, in June 2016 with our 76 students and we have grown really rapidly. So we have gone from 76 to 640 students currently. Yeah. So massive growth over, over four years. We have enough uh, space for just over a thousand students. Yeah. So One of the really interesting things about visiting yeah. Anzac Park is you know, building a school for a 1,000 students, it's a pretty small site, isn't it? It is. It's just less than a hectare. So one of the first of the multi-storey schools. And it's one of the first schools I understand from an infrastructure point of view that moved away from that cookie-cutter model of school design. So it was the first time that the architects were able to start thinking about how classrooms can support student learning and what we need to see in classrooms to, to support our learners. So particularly looking at light and um, some of those um, movement, uh, how students move around the school were really prioritised. So, you know, if we walk into Anzac Park, if you haven't been there before, Mm. um, a lot of students, relatively small site, how does it look different to a regular school? Yeah, so we have um, learning spaces that enable co-teaching. So we have students working across um, with either two or three teachers. Um, And whilst it looks, um, what we do at Anzac Park could really happen at any school. It's really the people in the school that that makes it an innovative place. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting, that site, I think, was the old bowling club. Correct. Uh, at, uh, no, yeah. I, I remember going there to one of my daughter's ballet concerts, yeah. which lasted four hours. They were on stage for 45 seconds. Uh, and so it was really the, the ability, I think, for the department at the time with this big squeeze on enrolments on the North Shore Absolutely. Uh, to try and find any site in order to kind of put up a school. So yeah. it's it's over four stories. Mm-hmm. A lot of the play spaces on the roof or in the uh, in the open areas. Yeah. There's a park across the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but basically it, it is we're going to see more of these uh, innovative designs, particularly around schools that are in already established area. There are a few, yeah. and it's one of um, Australia's most established areas since White Settlement, mm, I suppose, absolutely. is that North Sydney area mm. we are operating now. Mm. So um, it's a rare opportunity to start yeah. a school. This doesn't happen too often. No. So um, 
Tell us what your initial thoughts were when you when you got told it was going to be you. Yeah, you look, get to start a I was very happy at Kalungra Public School. It's a beautiful primary school on, on Sydney's North Shore, but that opportunity to start a school from scratch really is something that happens, you know, once in a career. So certainly jumped at the opportunity to, um, you know, take a, take a school from the beginning. I think in education we can often have, you know, what I would call those sacred cows, things that you always do just because that's the way we do things. So being able to move away from or create my own sacred cows for our school community and, and see what it is that we felt was important was um, a really nice thing about it. So how do you go about doing that at the beginning? Because even at the beginning, you don't really even have much of a school community. Yeah, absolutely. Really, uh, it's all growing. So how do you think through um, what you want a new school to be? Um, from my perspective, I, it was important to be able to take my... Um, um, my experience in education as well as my research background and combine that with what we know will have an impact in education in the 21st century. It really was that combination of what we know works with what it is that students need in education now. What is it, if we're going to start from scratch, what is it that we feel is important for our students? And so, so what are some of those cornerstones that you see at Anzac Park? There's a big push on personalised learning there. How yes. do you... How does that work in practice? Yeah, so we do have an emphasis on personalising learning. We believe that no matter where a student is, we need to move them forward with their learning regardless of that starting point. And by doing that, it's important for our teachers to have a really strong knowledge of what their students are learning and, and where, where their students are up to. So we take a lot of time. We got rid of staff meetings and instead we have analysing impact meetings every Thursday morning where teachers bring down samples of student work and they moderate and they look at what the key features are across those work samples and they look at what they can do in their classrooms to move those students forward and to track them. And it's also an opportunity as school community to take collective responsibility for every student moving forward. So we have our learning support teacher, we have our gifted and talented teacher being able to see those students that we need to push um, forward and, and support um, at a whole school, you know, collective level. But um, also really important for us that, you know, I think as an adult... Well, I personally find if I don't have a goal or something that I'm working towards, I find it, you know, you, that sense of achievement is really hard to find. So we um, encourage our students to know what their learning goals are and, and for them to be able to articulate that so that they can celebrate that achievement, know what the purpose of their learning is and, and how they can move forward. So you're quite transparent about that. I've been in different schools where, yeah. yes, there have been data walls, but they're yeah. tucked away, only the adults see it. When you go to your school, students really have a clear understanding about where they're up to and what their next goals are? Yeah, absolutely. We had, at the beginning of last year, around 40% of our kindergarten students at the end of Term 1 were able to articulate their learning goals in literacy and that moved up to 94% by the end of Term 4. So we have kindergarten children really articulately able to talk about what it is that they have achieved and what it is that they need to focus on to, to improve in, in literacy and numeracy. Yeah, one of the things about, I suppose, personalised learning, personalised pathways and this collecting of evidence, you know, I've heard some feedback from teachers that say, look, we just spend all our time collecting mm. evidence and, yeah, and sure. data and it, and it feels like it can be more of a burden on teachers. Mm. Have, have your teachers dealt with this? I think it depends on what you're doing with the data and what you're using it for. I think if you're just collecting it for collecting its sake or for plotting students just for updating the progression, then you don't see the value in it. But when you're using it as the cornerstone for how you're differentiating, how you're programming and how you're meeting the needs of students, it becomes a really invaluable 
tool for, for the teachers to be able to have. Um, we also spend a lot of time making sure that within our weekly programs, we allow time for conferencing so that teachers and students can spend that time with their learning and with their teacher talking about their goals and, and where they're up to. And as the students get older, they become responsible for collecting that evidence themselves. So the students in, in stage two and stage three have QR codes in the classroom that link to their learning progressions and, and what it is that they've achieved. And they know that they have to collect evidence so that the next time they have a conference with their teacher, this is the samples of work to demonstrate that they've achieved that goal and that they're ready to move on. Um, one of the interesting things that you talk about with the school is developing these creative connectors, mm. which is about how you think through programming. Mm. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think a conceptual framework has always been really important for me as an educator and, and teaching through concepts rather than that topic-based um, teaching um, programs. Uh, conceptual learning provides students with that opportunity to organise that knowledge and that understanding within that larger framework. Um, particularly, you know, in, in it, when we have knowledge, you know, at the tip of our finger on our, you know, phones on our computers, uh, that memorisation of knowledge doesn't become as important for our students students, but how they use that knowledge is really important. So through looking through a conceptual lens, we're able to synthesise that information at that high level. So um, for us at Anzac Park, we've taken um, the syllabuses of English, science, um, geography, history, PDHPE and the creative arts, and we framed those around eight big questions and within that the concepts that lead to answering those big questions. So at the moment at, at Anzac Park, students across kindergarten to year six are working on the question, why does it work? And, and looking at that through a scientific lens, our students are exploring electricity through that idea of transformation and, and how it works um, right through to, through our kindergarten students through English and understanding genre and, and theme within within their novels. One of the um, critiques you can sometimes have, particularly when you have these large learning spaces, lots yeah. of children learning, um, adults about, lots of different activity. Um, and also when students have strong agency over mm. their uh, learning, the way you've described mm. there, is a concern that explicit teaching disappears. Yeah. That as part of this, we still need to, in a sense, sit children down and deliberatively teach them and engage them? How does that fit into Absolutely. The I think quality teaching is a really important aspect. We, we know that that's what makes a difference. And, and I think it's wrong to assume that in an open plan, you know, collaborative classroom, that there isn't that room for explicit teaching. I actually think there's more opportunity because there's more than one educator who's able to meet those needs. Um, you'll see in our classroom, you know, we have up to six co-teaching models that our teachers plan. So that they're thinking about how the, the two educators or three educators in the room can be best utilised to meet those needs and, and that will often be providing that explicit teaching with a smaller group at the level that they're working on whilst the other students are working on perhaps more um, student-driven um, work um, in, in other parts of the learning space. So it's explicit teaching but not perhaps as we may have experienced it you know, a classroom of kids, 25, sitting in a row being spoken at by a teacher but smaller Absolutely. In a sense, more intimate. At, at the level that they're working on. Yeah. 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 Um, now, unusually, I think, at Anzac Park, you know, we'll hear discussions about caves and campfires and watering yeah. holes. 
What are they and where's all that come from? Yeah, so David Thornburg um, has been working on what he calls these learning archetypes now um, since the 1990s. And, and that's an understanding of how we learn um, and using those archetypes to describe those different learning behaviours. So we've taken those on at Anzac Park and we use those uh, metaphors of cave, campfire and watering holes where cave is that opportunity that we all need when we're silent, when we're reflecting, when we're focusing on our work. Um, we have campfires when we're learning from an expert, and that might be a teacher or it might be um, another student. It might be um, through a VC, you know, connection with someone um, on a, somewhere across the globe. Um, we also have our watering holes where students are working in a collaborative way. And, and what is important for us at Anzac Park is not only that our learning spaces are organised into those cave, campfire and watering holes, but we explicitly teach the children the learning behaviours that are required in those different spaces. What is it that you need to do as a learner in a campfire to get the best out of that opportunity? How do you best collaborate with students and your peers in a, in a watering hole? And what do you need to do within a cave? And, and we find students, when you start talking to them about their learning dispositions and, and their learning behaviours, they, they will recognise within themselves, I really like working, you know, in a cave space and, and being able to have that opportunity to say, well, let's try, you know, some watering hole and, and what can we do to support you in, in being a more collaborative learner um, is a really, um, I think, powerful opportunity for students to have control over how they, you know, an understanding of how they learn best. And, and we see you know, in a lot of our agile work environments, those opportunities for cave, campfire and watering hole um, as a natural part of, you know, today's work environment. I'm really interested in the professional development challenge here because you've moved from 76 students to mm. 640 students. Mm. That's a big population increase. It also means a big staffing increase. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to have... Uh, staff who are coming in have been operating in a sense in more traditional mm. school environments, uh, certainly not a lot of caves, campfires and watering holes where they've been. How do you, in a sense, scale up your staff mm. to work in the environment that, that mm. you're leading and, and your leadership team has created here at Anzac Park? I think what's been really important for us at Anzac Park is that we've had that really clear vision of what we want. We, we developed our vision for learning and, and decided what our five key drivers were going to be and, and what it was that we wanted to value as a professional community. And, and for me as the leader, what has been one of the most fulfilling parts of being principal at Anzac Park is being able to give that vision to the team to co-create together. Um, we did start it as a very small team and my assistant principal and I developed that, that vision for learning and what those priorities were. But now we give that to our aspiring leaders and our leadership team and our teams of teacher to, go, to grow and to flourish. And, and what we're doing now was certainly not something that, that perhaps we envisaged in our first year. But for me, that co-creating of what we do um, as a collaborative is, is what is really important. So, so the staff who've come in have helped change and shape yes. what you would have originally yeah. envisaged? Yeah, giving it to them to, to develop together and, and to have that ownership of, of what it is that, that, that we value. And what about um, parents? You know, one of the challenges of working in education is that everyone is an expert mm. on education. Everybody went to school. Um, very few of your parents will have experienced the kind of school model that mm. you're building at Anzac Park. How open are they? Is there a sense that they understand this when they sign up or, um, you know, how much work have you needed to do to explain 
uh, yeah. what you're trying to do with parents. Look, explaining and talking with parents about why we do what we do is, is a, always an, an open conversation that we have, but certainly one that they know and understand when they're enrolling their child. And overwhelmingly, it has been a really positive parent community that, that we have at Anzac Park. I, I had in, in our early years a, a parent who works for one of our big tech companies come in and say, this is the only school that looks like my workplace mm. and I don't want anything else for my child to prepare them you know, for, for, for their life than, than a school that reflects what society looks like now. So we have such support for our programs and, and for what it is that we're doing because they see as a parent community the importance of, of what our challenges are. Let's, let's talk a little bit about preparing students for a changing world. Mm. I mean, two areas of focus that you've got there is around, in a sense, learning for life and 21st-century mm-hmm. capabilities, yep. but also about a real focus on innovation. Mm. Let's talk about those general capabilities as well. Mm. How do you embed critical and creative thinking, um, communication skills, collaboration skills into the, the working operation of the school? Yeah, that's been another one of our really key drivers at Anzac Park. And, and we took those general capabilities uh, from the Melbourne Declaration and, and we created our own, what we called Learning for Life, where we have six um, capabilities of imagine, reflect, persevere, question, connect and collaborate. And in doing that, we also developed a continuum from kindergarten to year six of what does it look like to achieve um, when you are persevering? What does that look like in kindergarten and what are our expectations of our students in, in year six? And in doing that, we are able to report to parents um, how their child is is thinking critically and, and thinking creatively, and and we value how those those dispositions are in our students just as much as we do in literacy and numeracy. On, on that, I think part of the interesting debate is that you know we know how to test for literacy and numeracy. Mm. Testing for creativity, critical thinking, collaboration yeah. is harder. How, yeah. how do you measure progress in those areas? And that's really a, a challenge that, that we continue. And, and the team are, are co-creating, um, as we speak at Anzac Park, how, how we develop that. What, we have at, what we're doing at the moment is we're thinking about those teaching skills and, and thinking about what those abilities are and building those programs into our teaching and learning so that it's not an add-on but it's a natural part of how we start our programming, those capabilities and and building them in so that when we're assessing student knowledge, we also have those opportunities to assess those capabilities. Yeah. One of the interesting things I find in in talking with you and thinking through what you're developing at Anzac Park is, you know, we've currently got a big curriculum review Mm. that's taking place in New South Wales. Jeff Masters, the the head of ACER, is Mm. doing that and um, there'll be discussion papers and the like released on that later in the year. Most... um, Schools, most of the feedback that's come back has said school curriculum is overcrowded mm. and, it, and to a sense it's out of date. Mm. You seem to have found this time uh, uh, within the school curriculum to really do all this mm. um, new stuff, if you mm. like, under the constraints of the old. How have you done that? Look, I think it comes back to that creating connectors and those frameworks, being able to find where we can synthesise the existing curriculum and and find where we can teach in a transdisciplinary way. But it's also thinking about what it is that that we value and starting there. When we value those 21st century capabilities and we value that we want students to be able to think creatively, then we build learning experiences that provide those opportunities for students and, and focus on, you know, rich learning tasks for our students rather than, um, you know, busy work or work that we've always done um, just because that's the way we, we've done it. Yeah, I, I think actually um, 
It's a story I hear a bit mm. at some of our schools that seem to be, you know, pushing most aggressively mm. this, that there is space within mm. uh, if, in fact, you... But you've got to do the work and you've got to do the work as yep. a collaborative team uh, in, in order to do that. Um, you talked about the parent from the technology mm. company. I mean, you go to your school, um, coding and robotics, I suppose you see a bit, about, a bit of that mm-hmm. in primary schools around the state, design thinking, yep. engineering, how you're thinking through... Um, technology and your involvement with technology and teaching students? Yeah, look, we do employ a STEAM specialist at Anzac Park and he is able to work and and co-teach with every teacher from kindergarten to year six so that we can really build that capacity of all of our teachers in in STEAM programming. He has an expertise in in, um, coding and robotics and electronics and, and is able to build that in but do, doing so in a meaningful way, it, it's not an add-on, but actually it's part of those teaching and learning programs that, that they're doing. But we also have that strong emphasis on that engineering and that design thinking. So um, you will often see in, in John's um, classroom uh, in the STEAM hub, you know, a huge mess of, of students as they co-create. Last year, um, our students in stage two were looking at heat absorption. So we're creating solar ovens using cardboard, um, black, you know, um, card, um, aluminium foil, and, and they were using it to create an oven. And then we're given a piece of garlic bread as their assessment task to see how quickly the garlic bread would melt um, at, at the end of the term. So um, it can be a very messy place, but it's that creating and testing and, and designing that, that has been really important to those programs. It's interesting you say it can be a messy place. When I first visited, um, it was small, right? You mm. were just, it was, the school was brand new. It looked spectacular. There was a lot of space because mm. there were relatively few kids. Now you've got the challenge of scaling. Mm. And the challenge isn't just involved in eventually having a 1,000 students on a school of mm. less than a hectare. I mean, you'll have a student density mm. a few schools in the country mm. match. But also it's keeping up with this innovative approach to Mm. teaching and learning, an innovative approach to exploring the curriculum Mm. at scale. Mm. How does that scaling challenge work for you? And and you're worried that, you know, what you could do with 150 kids Mm. is a very different challenge with 1,000 kids. Again, it's the amazing educators that I have the privilege to work with and and the teams that, that we're creating and that opportunity to own that innovation for for our teaching community. Our, our stage three um, leader at the moment is, is incredibly progressive and inspiring assistant principal. And, and he, at the moment, is transforming our rooftop into a, a middle year space where he, he has just opened in the last week a um, dedicated STEAM hub for the students so that when they are designing, they can just go in there and work on those programs without needing to go down to the STEAM hub, um, but creating different spaces for different purposes right through the school. Yeah. Um, and, and one just final question on Anzac Park. I mean, it's pretty high profile. You know, whenever we chat, you've had more politicians, more department heads, mm. national visitors, international mm. visitors. What's it like doing all this stuff in the spotlight the way you've had to do it? Yeah. It's been a really special part of being at Anzac Park and, and we've seen a lot of other schools starting to take their journey, particularly into moving into innovative learning environments across New South Wales and, and across the country. And, and we have really welcomed that opportunity to share what we do. I think for educators to be able to see it in action and to see that it's possible, I think is really important. So, so, could have you done it back at Kalara? If, if you think about what you've done now, beautiful new design, new building, but fundamentally what you're doing around teaching and learning, could it be done anywhere? With that shared vision, yes, absolutely. And I, and I think that at Kalara and, and in that, 
community, absolutely a push for meeting, you know, the, the, as parents, a real passion for, for their child and, and for seeing achievement and for seeing and making sure that the child was, was best placed to, to succeed um, in the 21st century. So absolutely something that, that can be scalable and something that people can believe in. And we talked about it before um, briefly, but, but, you know, it's a pretty conservative part of world, the world, the North Shore of yeah. Sydney. Um, and you, you would think that parents would often have a conservative view on education. I don't want to take too many risks mm. with their child. We don't want to experiment mm. on their kids. How do you provide that reassurance that even though it's different and it looks different, uh, you're still very confident that you're on track with yeah. the learning of their children? Look, a few key things. We um, have um, parent partnerships is really important for us. So just as our students know what their learning goals are, our parents have access to those literacy and numeracy progressions so that they can see at any time how their child is going in literacy and numeracy. Um, we also provide opportunities for parents to come into classrooms and see what it is that students are learning. Um, but it's also also from the students themselves. We utilise things um, such as Seesaw and, and other um, um, programs so that children can share their work. But overwhelmingly what I hear from parents is, is that their child loves to come to school, their child is engaged and excited about what they're doing. And, and I think as a parent, when you see that your child is happy and learning and interested, you're happy with, with what that school is, is doing for their child. And finally, you're still the substantive principal there. You're taking a little bit of a spell away from the school every day to work with the department as director um, in the Futures Learning Unit. What does that work involve? Yeah, look, it's been really interesting to have a look at um, education from that system perspective. Um, Futures Learning is currently going through a bit of a rebrand and, and has been renamed as School Learning Environments and Change. So the SLEC team. Yep. It is. So let's go with SLEC, another acronym. Um, but the work of the SLEC team is really looking at how we can support school leaders and teachers to work effectively within these innovative learning environments. As I said, we see school infrastructure creating some amazing spaces across New South Wales. But for teachers to work effectively in those spaces takes um, a, a concerted effort from the school community in terms of professional learning and making sure that the teachers are ready to teach in those spaces the way they were designed. So for me, that, that the select team is a really exciting place to be at the moment, thinking about how we can support those school communities. Um, at a personal level, I find that, um, you know, as principal, we have a lot of autonomy in, in what we're doing. But um, in a director's position, uh, it's more of that collective autonomy and, and it becomes not so much what, what I can create, you know, as leader at Anzac Park, but what can we create at a system level to, to support schools across New South Wales. Yeah, and, and I think it goes to a lot of the thinking here that what's the value of being in a system mm. and what's the learning that we can get from the work that you've done at Anzac Park and how will that influence? We know we've got $6.5 billion worth of new building that's happening given the growth in the mm. state. And we have a lot of ambitious school leadership teams at long-established schools. Mm. Uh, and so how, um, rather than everyone discovering it all again, how can we learn from the expertise? Mm. So thanks for your contribution there. Thanks for all you're doing in Anzac Park and uh, thanks for what you're doing for the children of New South Wales in your care. Unity Taylor-Hill, thanks for joining us on the Every Student Podcast. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Every Student. Never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice or by heading to our website at education.nsw.gov.au slash every hyphen student 
podcast. Or if you know someone who is a remarkable innovative educator that we could all learn from, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at New South Wales Education, on Facebook, or email everystudentpodcast at det.nsw.edu.au. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.